Welcome to Freedom Junkie Radio. Today, I bring you Dale Pond, a scientist, a physicist from the Pond Institute that he started in Southern Colorado. And uh, just as an introduction, I want to give a little bit of a background on Dale. Uh, Let me say, welcome, Dale. Howdy. Glad to be here. Um, I'm so happy you're here. Okay, I'm going to give a little bit of a background here. Um, The mission statement for the Pond Science Institute goes like this. It's a place where people can come and learn all aspects of SPV, which is sympathetic vibratory physics. They can learn about themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually, and the cosmos. It is a place of healing and refreshing of the spirit, a place for design and prototyping of sympathetic vibratory physics type devices, machines and instruments. The Institute is to be a center to which people will be drawn and from which will radiate outward the theoretical and practical application of sacred science in all its aspects for the benefit of humanity as a whole. The Pond Science Institute explores and develops the science, art, philosophy, and technology of Keeley, Russell, Quimby, Tesla, and Casey, the conventional sciences, both in theory and application. The work builds bridges between the discoverers, the discoverers, and orthodox science and medicine. At the end, it says mind force is real and engineerable. Welcome to the show, Dale. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So there are 9 million questions that I have for you, but I think the the main thing that, well, there's several things that really interest me about your work and your life's work. Um, One is free energy, obviously. I want to talk about that and what you've done in that realm. But then also that we, we live in a time right now where most people know that our thoughts are creating our reality. You've done a lot of work with that. And I want to know, you, I, I get the feeling that you have evidence towards that and that you have a lot of thoughts about creating our reality as a collective. And I want to talk to you about that. So I, I may have just hit you with too much stuff at once, but what do you want to start with? Whatever you, just give me a question. All right, all right. Just just give me a question, throw a hardball. Okay, well, let's start with free energy. Uh, You've studied Tesla and these guys who were brilliant 100 years ago. And oh, here we go. A lot of their work was hidden from mankind. Why do you think that was and what were the important things that were hidden? Um, that's a two-sided answer to that question because, uh, for instance, in Keeley's case, he actually deliberately hid his work so it wouldn't be prevalent throughout society because he knew that uh, he knew who the bad guys were. They were still bad guys then, as they are today. Uh, we wouldn't be here today if it if it had gotten out and used. In Tesla's case and similar people to Tesla, the the bad guys actually seized the material and hid it. There's some question that there were good guys involved in a Tesla case where the material got 
uh, well, it depends how you define good and bad people, you know, but the material is uh, hidden from society. And um, in that case, it's because these people who have power and control, they want to maintain power and control. They don't want to see any competitors come on the scenes, which is why every time someone's come up with a free energy device and attempted to take it on into the marketplace, they got shut down. They really, all different tac tactics you could think of that they used to shut these people down. And uh, just think about it for a minute. How many, you know, you pay a utility bill, I pay a utility bill, everybody pays a utility bill. That is an awful lot of cash flow every single month into the pockets of these people. They don't want to see that diminished. That's the bottom line, money. Just follow the money. And uh, Keeley's case, he had uh, developed a technology that's even superior to everything we got today that's publicly known about. I'm sure they got a lot of stuff, you know, black projects and whatnot. But uh, look what they did with the atomic bomb. Uh, you know, it was just destruction. That's all the thing was invented for was to kill people. Kill the more people, the more money that gets thrown at it to build a bigger bomb. Um, you know, they did some medicine, medical work with it and stuff like that. So some good did come out of it. But um, not from what I understand about Keeley's work, because uh, it's just too volatile. In some cases, in most cases, it's really, really good stuff. And we should really have it out there. And we will eventually have it out there. But um, so I kind of agree. I agreed with Keeley and, and he and his private people uh, took his material and they buried it, waiting for the proper day and the proper people to show up to uh, to bring it out into, into society in a moral and responsible and ethical way. And that's what we're trying to do, we're trying to lay the foundation for that. Um, check the world out. You know, what do you think they, they would do with it? <laughs> If, if we had free energy? Well, yeah, I'm talking specifically about Keeley's technology, but the free energy, <clears throat> there are, I have heard uh, from good sources that there are many free energy devices have been developed by many different people, but they've never been brought to market. Uh, it seems that's the that's the uh, red line. You know, you don't cross that. If you try and bring one of these to market, uh, you're going to get stopped. So we're, I guess, this movement, the free energy movement, is just kind of waiting until some of these bad guys have been taken out of the picture, so that we can bring this stuff out. Okay, so the Keeley technology that you were talking about that could be dangerous. What's that? Well, he was splitting the atom in the 1880s. Modern science didn't accomplish that until the 1930s, late 30s, and they didn't get the, the bomb built until the 40s. So if it had come out in the 1880s, like he was trying to do before he wised up, we wouldn't be here. Now he's got other technologies like anti-gravity. That'd be great. But you come out with this kind of stuff, what's going to happen? The very first thing happens is the guy, the men in black or whoever, is going to show up and says, we're going to 
we're seizing this out of national interest, national security interest. And first thing they do after that is weaponize it. So they take it. And so <laughs> you see the hypocrisy and all that. I mean, it's absolutely, it's like a bunch of kids playing with toys they should never have access to. But he had a lot of other technologies and, and uh, eventually it's all gonna come out. I mean, I'm seeing modern science picking up on different things that Keeley was working with, but they don't know that Keeley did this work over hundred years ago. So they don't trace it back to him. They say, they figure they invented it and they renamed it and relabeled it so they can call it their own. But uh, for instance, quantum entanglement, which a lot of people talk about in Keeley's jargon, that's called sympathetic vibration. And he said the very basis of all of his technology, sympathetic vibration, if you don't have that, you got nothing. So they're just now developing quantum entanglement and it's gonna go really fast when they start making money with it. They haven't really figured out how to make money with it yet, but they, there's a lot of people working on it, a lot of money being invested in it and it will come out. So Keeley's technology may come about in an indirect way. You know, these guys thinking they're reinventing things from scratch. And um, that's the way it's probably the way it's going to go. Can you explain to us a little bit about what the quantum entanglement or sympathetic vibration, what, what that looks like? Uh, the classic demonstration you can see on YouTube, you take two tuning forks of the same pitch and you strike one and the other one will, will respond to it. So the two forks are said to be in sympathy with each other. If they aren't tuned to the same pitch, then you won't get a reaction. They have to be tuned to the same pitch. And so some of these uh, new science people, new metaphysical people, say, well, that's a description of love. That's what love is. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so the science of the future is going to be, you know, engineering with physics. I even wrote a book called The Physics of Love. It's just the words, whatever word you want to use, you know, and, and quantum, quantum entanglement, the, you know, these guys are real pencil pushers and they got exceedingly fine definitions of what they're doing and what they think they're doing. And they would not necessarily agree that what I just described is what they're doing. But if you step back from the nitpicky jargon that they got and you say, well, yeah, you got a photon over here and you got a photon over there and what you do to one excites the other. So that's sympathetic vibration. Mm -hmm. I read a book years ago. I don't remember who the author was, but it was a quantum physics book and it, it was said the same thing. If you pluck a violin string on the wall and the violin next to it, and I play the violin, so um, this is fascinating to me because the harmonics involved as well. If you if you pluck, or the, what I was going to say, if you pluck the one string, the A string on the violin, and the other one will will vibrate. You That's won't right. necessarily hear it, but then harmonics are really interesting as well because if you play a note or sing a note, or if you ohm and you can hear the vibrations in your head, you can hear the fifth and the third and the fourth, you can hear the harmonic resonance that are above that note. And it's, um, it makes sense that we would, that if our, our thoughts are vibrations and everything is vibrations, you know, when you get around somebody that you vibe with and somebody that you don't, but this idea that our thoughts create things, is that part of this 
sympathetic vibrational science as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in 1994, I gave a, a presentation in Minneapolis <clears throat> where I laid, where I did some diagrams and drawings, and I showed how an audio frequency disturbance can disturb frequencies in, in light and super light frequencies. So it's an extrapolation that we can use audio excitations to induct mental or thought uh, disturbances or influences. And um, there are countless, I was thinking this morning, I, I need to create a list of all these universities and research that's been going on where mind effects matter. Yeah, Princeton University, Duke University, Stanford University, and just countless others have, have all done these experiments showing that mind does have an effect on matter. And if in your life, you've probably seen where you've you said to yourself, well, you know, I wish I had X, Y, or Z. You know, I had X. I wish I could get X. And then all of a sudden it shows up. Well, people, uh, you know, the, the negative people will say, well, that's just a coincidence. But if you do it over and over and over and over again, and you do it at will, well, then you got to say, well, there's more here than just coincidence. <laughs> so um, we're not here. I'm not here to convince anybody who's in denial. You know, they can live their life any way they want to. But when I see a trail opening up, you got to follow that trail and you got to know what's going on. Where else? What are you here for? You're just going to be a hypocrite. No, you got to follow. You got to follow your inner guidance. And uh, I've seen so many things like that. It's it's beyond doubt. I mean, it's real. It's re absolute real. And Keeley said that all force is mind force. So he he would engineer and build these machines where he could activate them with his thoughts. He'd draw a symbol on the wall, and the machine across the room would start. And uh, so you start digging into that phenomenon and say, okay, how, how does this connect? You know, how does a symbol on the wall connect to a mechanical machine across the room that will produce kinetic energy? And that's what I've been doing. That's what I've really been doing, especially the last few years. I've been digging really, really deep into that connection. <clears throat> well, even quantum physics people, they don't admit it. And I don't know why they don't admit it, that you can't measure a quantum phenomena like an electron you can't measure the momentum and the position at the same time if you measure one the other changes you measure the other one the other one changes so there well so what is that you can't do a measurement without thinking about it so thought is entering into that equation and they're ignoring it or maybe they never thought about it you know, when Dr. Emoto's work came out where you can you take two jars of rice, you know, and you pray at one and cuss at the other one. I mean, you've seen all that, right? I've seen the water. I don't know about the rice. Yeah, you put rice and in, in, cook up some rice and put it in two jars and you cuss at one and you bless the other one. And that experiment has been done thousands of times all over the world by lay people, you know, not under scientific uh, protocols. But they all come out the same. You know, you blessed rice, is, you can eat it a month later. The cursed rice is totally rotten. 
and it works with other things too. You do that with uh, water crystallization and and uh, so mind has an effect on matter. Yes. I mean, well, Princeton University spent 28 years trying to answer a simple question. The question was, does mind affect matter? So they ex experiment, and this is in their physics lab. They experimented for 28 years. And they finally come out with their report. <laughs> and the report said, yeah, there's definitely an effect here. It's, it's subtle, but it's here. It's real. So at that point, Boeing and several other high-tech companies set up what they called psychic labs to find a way to capture and harness this mind connection. And, um, you know, nobody has to believe me. Just go ask Princeton University. You want to argue with Princeton University? Be my guest, you know. 28 years of statistical research is hard to say no to. And that's just one university. Well, if people don't know about Emoto's work, the book that is so amazing and should be on everyone's coffee table for at least a year is The Hidden Messages in Water. That's the one I know about. And it's a beautiful small book that has pictures. In fact, while I, when I go back and put this video together, I will show some of the pictures right here. And there are pictures of the crystals that when you say things like love and peace and harmony to your water, if you say, I love you to your water, and then they crystallize it, it turns into these beautiful uh, crystals and if you curse at it, it, it makes horrible looking things in the water. And they did the same thing where they took uh, pristine water from beautiful places. And then they took water from like treatment plants and stuff, you know, or ditch water that was, you know, dirty and they, and it, but the crazy thing is actually saying things to your water changes the way the water reacts and the fact that we are mostly water as human beings imagine what it's like when we say i love you to each other what that does to every cell in your body as opposed to, i mean and you can but you can feel it if you say i love you to a child or you yell at them you can yeah. see it yeah it's just like the little crystal children are a perfect example i mean they show the results immediately and um so we dug into that a little bit. You know, we got this dinosaur here that uh, people get all turned on about when they get near it. And, and um, what is it? Tell us what the dinosaur is. The, the dinosaur, uh, John Keeley invented uh, a lot of machines back in his time, 1880s. Uh, some people say hundreds, some people say thousands. And um, one, one variety of these machines was what he called a globe motor or a ball motor, uh, sphere motor, musical sphere. And they all had the big, they had a, they had a brass sphere in the middle of these machines. And um, he had them operating. <clears throat> he had one that he, he ran a sawmill with experimentally. And we have uh, a news article from that time period where he was building a big one, four feet in diameter, which is huge, that they were going to use to drive a locomotive. Well, we never found the follow-up articles about that project, if they ever accomplished it or not. 
So these things actually worked. And he had demonstrations for the public. They'd come in and he'd show them off and everything. He'd, he could start them with a violin. He'd play a certain chord on the violin and the machine would start to rotate. And, and he'd play a different chord, a discordant chord, and the machine would stop. Well, some years ago in 95, my team and I built, we figured the best thing to do for Keeley's work is to rebuild one of these uh, globe motors or dinosaurs. So we made one in the winter of 95 and 96. And um, you can bring in those pictures when you do the editing. So that'd be, I don't need to show it here. We were kind of naive, you know, I was naive in those, in, in those days. And I thought, you know, Keeley made this machine and driving other machinery as a power source. Well, it's a free energy machine. Well, let's just let's duplicate it and make a free energy machine. That's what we were intending to do. And um, took four months to build this thing. And it was the most fabulous, fascinating four months of my life. Uh, just incredible. And um, we got it finished in the spring of uh, 96. And I took it to uh, an energy conference in Denver. You know, in those days, uh, a lot of us used to get together for the free energy movement, you know, and we'd all try and invent this stuff. And so we'd have these energy conferences. And, and um, so I brought that and had it on its own table and we had it set up in the, the large room. And I come back from lunch one day and here's all these women, eight or 10 women standing around this dinosaur and they had their hands out to it. Like, you know, they're warming their hands on a fire, like, you know, trying to warm their palms on a fire. And they're all kind of solemn. We're just kind of focused on it. And like they're feeling something really deep. And I'd never seen anything like that before. So I felt a little bit threatened you know, $50,000 machine and all these gals, you know, what are you messing around with my machine? And one lady spoke up and she says, we're standing here feeling the love come off this machine. Which blew me away. I mean, you know, I hear the stories when you die, everything passes in front of you. Well, that's happened to me. And I said, okay, to myself, I said, I'm not feeling any energy. I haven't felt any energy. I'm the guy that built the thing. I should know, you know, I should be feeling whatever it is they're feeling. And when she said that, we're standing here feeling the love come off this machine. All the other women nodded in agreement. So that kind of floored me. Okay, what's this thing they're feeling and calling it love? You know, what is this energy? I mean, I made this machine, I don't know what's in it, you know. I don't know what this is. So shortly thereafter, I took it to, uh, I was, I was uh, had a room rented in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there was, a, there was a pretty nice metaphysical community in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, and this house where I was renting a room in was their meeting place. So they'd come around every Thursday and I had the dinosaur sitting there in the living room. And, you know, I told them about the women in Denver and I said, you know, you guys just be some guinea pigs for me and you tell me what you feel and what you experience. And I'm going to stand here in the corner and watch because I don't want to interfere with, with, you know, I don't want to be an influence what you feel or what you experience. 
And so he did that for several months and I took a lot of notes and my God, my mind opened up. I had, I had no clue. You know what? Men think they know something about women or some men think they know something about women. Well, I'll tell you this, no man knows anything about women because these women, after a while, you know, they got used to me standing there against the wall and they, they ignored me. So they all kind of let their hair hang down like here. And I got to see things that, I mean, spiritual things, things of great intelligence, things of incredible. There's an aspect to women that men don't have a clue to. And I don't know how anybody could explain it to them. And you women are partly at fault because you're hiding all that. <laughs> and I don't blame you because if half the guys I know saw what I saw, they'd be, I wouldn't want to be there. So anyway, you got, you got this huge thing going. Anyway, we started seeing physical healings, emotional healings, mental healing, psychic healings. We even had a doctor come in, bring in one of their patients who was a mental guy <clears throat> to see if, if he could see this effect, if it had any effect on this guy who was not quite all together. And when the doctor was leaving, he turned to me and he said, you need to put one of these in every clinic in this country because it does have an effect. Some people, it's the effect is more or less instant. Other ones, you get, it takes repeated exposure to it. But what it is is love. And so we talk about sympathetic vibration as being the same thing as love. Okay, so we're starting to get some physics wrapped up into this. So what is it? <laughs> um, how do you evoke these kinds of energies from a metallic machine? You know, it's made out of brass and steel and it's got some pewter in it and some copper and a little, a few other little elements, but there's no electricity in it, no magnetism in it. And um, so what's the big deal? What's going on here? Well, the sphere creates a harmonic, which means harmony, concordant, uh, acoustic field. <clears throat> and that plus there's incorporated in this thing what Keeley called a neutral center. And from your music experience, you, you know about nodes, you know, you got vibrations on a string and you got a node. Well, a neutral center is kind of like a node, only it's considered in three, you know, complete zone. It's not just on a string, a node on a string. It's, it's a node encapsulated in a spherical resonant cavity. There's more to neutral centers than that, but that's what we need to talk about here. And plus all the parts, each and every single part I took and I, I treated the, the metal, each part, like I was getting ready to bend a spoon. You ever bend spoons? I personally have not bent a spoon, but I want well, You gotta do that. You gotta learn how to do that because it, it'll, change, it'll change your life because all of a sudden the reality of a spoon, you know, to you right now, it's hard and stiff and everything. But when that puppy bends, it's like, it's like walking on fire. 
how can this be? So one reality gets shifted into another reality and you say, okay, which reality is real? And, um, but anyway, I treated each piece of metal like that. So I put that energy into it and all over inside of it. And um, so that's what the machine radiates. This love energy I put into the spoons, the, all the love I put into all the parts and everything. And um, there's a spiritual component to the, all of this, but we don't really need to go into that right now. Um, and I believe that's what they're feeling. And they all feel it. I've only met two people out of thousands who couldn't feel it. One was an ornery engineer, probably couldn't feel his shoes if they're too tight. And the other one, uh, ironically, crazily, was my mother. She couldn't feel it either. <laughs> I think she could. She just didn't want to admit it. Mm. But you said you didn't feel it either. Right? In the beginning, I didn't. You're right. But after those months down there in Tulsa with all these uh, very sensitive women um, interacting, like, you know, they, they could feel this love energy and, and start feeling all kinds of other energies, too. It was all love and it was all positive. And as I began to piece together a paradigm that would encompass the construction of the machine and what I was witnessing in all these people, there had to be a paradigm that would encompass both sides. So it's like Newtonian physics on the one hand and non-Newtonian quantum physics on the other. The quantum physicist says there's no connection between Newtonian or mechanical analog machinery with quantum physics. And the Newtonian people say the same thing. Well, Keeley built this bridge where they're connected like this. And that's where science has gone. And um, it's going to take a while because there's so many people in denial that, you know, they, their job security, you know, they don't want to say anything that's going to jeopardize their paycheck or their position among their peers. They're not going to say, oh, did you see those experiments by Yuri Geller? I mean, think we ought to explain that. Bam, that guy's in the street right now. So until those old guys all die off and are replaced by new open-minded younger people, we just got to keep plowing the field until we get it done. And it's just going to take a while. Um, so I have a few questions. Uh, uh, the spoon, does it matter what it's made out of? Does it need, does, can it be a, a sterling silver spoon? Can it be a stainless steel spoon? Um, we've bent all of those, you know, metallic spoons. I've tried to bend a plastic spoon they just split and come apart but uh, not to say it can't be done but I haven't been able to do it yet but I've bent just about uh, mostly stainless steel because that's what's easy to get come by right they're cheap well yeah. so how um how do you do it what do we do if if, if we want to bend a spoon um different people have different techniques but the one I used which is not Yuri Geller's level. I haven't got there yet. But you take the spoon and you just rub it lengthwise with your fingers. And um, you just keep rubbing it with your fingers 
until all of a sudden it says, it doesn't say, but you know, I mean, it's a gut feeling, intuition. You just take it and twist it like that. And uh, if I knew we were going to talk about this, I'd have brought my collection so you could see them. But there's a, on the SVP wiki, there's a page there that shows pictures of them and a little explanation of what I just gave you is how to do it so you can learn how to do it. And uh, young kids do it right off the bat, like, because nobody told them you can't. But older people, they, they, it took me three weeks to bend my first bone. <laughs> okay. Because I think in the movie, The Matrix, they're bending them with their mind. They're holding. Right, them. right. That's what Yuri Geller does. And I haven't got to that place yet. Um, so meditation, you were talking about metaphysical communities and um, this connection between the physical and the spiritual. Um, what... we can change our world with our thoughts. And I guess meditation is a sort of like focused thought. What would be more important, the sitting quietly and being more focused in your thought or your general thoughts day to day all the time you're, when you're creating? Uh, meditation is not about focused thought. It's about no thought. When you, sh there's the mind, there's several different levels or sex sections or, or parts to the mind. And, and uh, you got the whole mind, which is some people call it the God mind or the heart mind. And you have the split mind, which is the intellect and the ego. <clears throat> what we operate throughout the day using our intellect, 99.9% .9 of us. We're figuring out, well, I got to go get a cup of coffee or, you know, figuring out your problems. And <clears throat> so we're using our intellect all the time. Well, the intellect doesn't know anything except what you've taught it and what you've experienced in life. You know, that's what feeds the ego. The whole mind, on the other hand, is connected to the universal mind. Some people call it the mind of God. And when you're intuitive, like these women were at the metaphysical meetings we had, you know, when they all relaxed and they started doing whatever, then um, that started coming to the front very prominently. And they would sing and dance or they would chit chat or whatever. And, and um, the intellect is composed primarily of beliefs and memories so we go through life and we have these memories and everything and they some of them become our beliefs about life so we touch a, a spoon and it's hard and rigid you know and that's what our intellect tells us but the whole mind if you get the intellect out of the way says there's nothing hard and rigid about anything so the trick is when you meditate you're shutting down the intellect the thinking part of your brain mind where the whole mind comes through and you're in a state of knowing instead of thinking. And the knowing mind just knows whatever it needs to know. And um, our beliefs, uh, Quimby, if you wanna know how your life works, go read Quimby. That guy, he was a watchmaker, I think a clockmaker or something back in the 1840s. 
and he discovered this thing called mesmerism and he got really interested and he followed out kind of like i'm following keely i mean he went on it like a dog on a bone and he hammered it out and he began to see how mind controls our environment and people's lives and um one of the people he and he started healing people he healed thousands and thousands of people through his mental connection and sympathetic thought patterns and one of the people he healed was Mary Baker Eddy. Well, she studied with him for three or four years after that and learned everything he had to teach her. And she went off and started at Christ Science Church, which became worldwide phenomena. Because that's what they do. They heal people. And they heal yourself. I mean, everybody heals himself, mm-hmm. ultimately speaking. So anyway, it's the intellect. It's these thoughts and beliefs that creates the life we live. And uh, if you think you're poor and woe is me and unworthy and everything, well, you're gonna, you know, not have a very good financial life and you might not have a very good social life either. So as, and we learned those patterns when we were kids, Um, you know, the way we were taught, the way we were brought up, the way we were treated or mistreated in schools and by family and whatever. And that creates the foundation upon which we live. So you can see an example of that are the wealthy families. You know, the kids coming out of wealthy families, they got no problem money, making money, having lots of money. But if you're born and raised in the street, so to speak, you got a hard time changing your thought patterns from poverty and difficulty to one of prosperity and joy and abundance. But you can do it. It can be done. A lot of people do it. They, they change your thinking patterns. And as you change your thinking patterns, your life changes. I mean, it's, it sounds so simple that, that people can't believe. Well, it can't possibly be that simple. Well, guess what? That's all it is. And you can get out there and hustle and break your butt and everything else, trying to make money and everything. But if you're trying to overcome your poverty circumstances or overcome your current finances and you want to be more financially abundant well then it's a struggle because you're fighting your own beliefs you're not fighting the world you're fighting your own beliefs (laughs) so the same thing with health you know if you think you're ill and poor you know poorly and uh, quimby tells all these stories in his books about how he could trace these people's illnesses back to a certain belief and uh, and back to a certain idea because he's how did, how did he say it he said the core of every uh, of every illness is based on a belief and the core of every belief is an idea so he would work with these people mentally and uh, psychically and he would find what that belief was and then he'd go back and find the idea that created the belief. And when he changed the, the idea, so the belief was no longer supported by the idea, just like that, they were healed. Do you follow Dr. Joe Dispenza? No. He was recently in, introduced to me, and he's, he's, he is, sounds a lot like that. You might be interested in him. I'd love to get him on this show. He's uh, all about healing with your thoughts and he's had miraculous people have miraculous healings by changing yeah, thoughts. yeah i've seen it that's what was happening around that one the dinosaur 
well, we were seeing all these healings and everything. I said, well, what's going on here? Turns out that the dinosaur puts out this harmonic field that feels really good. Some call it love, some call it a smooth feeling, a warm feeling, a fuzzy feeling, you know, like a warm, fuzzy hug or something, you know. And our natural state, especially our minds, our natural state of our minds is that harmony, is love. That's what we are very deeply. I mean, that's what we originally are, and we still are that. When we create these beliefs with our intellect, that starts muddying the water. So if you, when these people were being healed, they were feeling that harmonic energy, that love energy, and their inner self says, oh, I know what that is. Yeah, I like that. We're going to go along with that. That's really great stuff. And they're healed like that. However, I've seen people in that field, and you can see it happening. They'll start to feel this thing. Oh, you know, wow, what's that? And just like that, they'll back out of it. And, and what happens is uh, those kind of people were hurt by what they thought was love. You know, maybe a parent smacked them. And so whenever they get near that feeling again, they're going to back up and says, no, I'm not going there again, you know. But if you go with it, if you kind of swoon into it and allow yourself to really feel that energy, it changes your life. I've seen so many people change their lives. And I thought, gee, I guess you should be able to put this in a bottle, you know. <laughs> well, can people come get, can people come get around your dinosphere? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're welcome. Um, by the way, I was, I was talking to this uh, chiropractor who had uh, spent several years in the desert with one of those teachers, shaman teachers, and, and he woke up. And um, he, he had been there at our center in Tulsa a couple of times. And, and um, I got a phone call from somebody and they said, you know what? I hung a picture of this dinosaur on my refrigerator. And all this stuff is going on. And then when the second person told me a similar story that they were getting these vibes or these feelings off of these photographs, I called this guy, the shaman guy, and and I said, uh, told him about it and everything. He says, yeah, we're getting the same effect here in our waiting room in the chiropractor's office. <laughs> he said, these people sitting there waiting for their turn, you know, and he said, it makes them a lot easier to work with, is what he said. Just the photograph of the dinosaur. Just, just the photographs. Okay. Well, if so you when I, when I heard that, I started uploading every picture, every photograph I get my hands on onto the web so people could download these photographs all over the world. That's what we need, right? We need people to wake up and to be healed and be in love and be in this beautiful state more than anything, more than any money or any government or anything. That's what we need. And that's what these dinosaurs do. Well, I will, if you're, if this, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go on to the YouTube or BitChute or Rumble channel. Uh, at some point, I'll have it on freedomjunkyradio.com. I've got to work on that, but I will have the, the photographs up. And you can also go to the Pond Science Institute, and there's some photographs on there as well, right? 
Yeah, the svpwiki.com. Okay. Um, so have you been hearing about the, the, the 3D, 5D shift, like going from three dimensions to fifth dimension? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, what are your thoughts on that? Because the reason I thought of it was because when you were talking about the quantum world versus the Newtonian world and how they've bridged, that's kind of the way I felt about this. Um, it makes perfect sense to me that they would both be going along right together. You know, like you, what's to me, we've got this physical world where Newtonian science makes sense. Gravity makes sense. Physics makes sense. Trajectory makes sense. But so does this quantum idea of vibratory physics where we, we vibe with each other and, and our thoughts create our world. And so the, the three-dimensional world that we live in that we can't get away from, we're here. And then this fifth-dimensional world where it's more of a, a, a the, hard to describe, but a feeling of love, which is what you've been talking about. I've been having very joyful feelings lately, very light and uh, there's certain people I get around where I vibe and um, it's wonderful. And, I, and apparently there could be a, a fifth dimensional aspect to that. What do you know about that or think about that? Um, it has to do with labels and definitions. You know, the 3D world scenario that you laid out, we're going from 3D to 5D. And this is a metaphysical concept mostly. In the 3D world is this intellectual world that we're living in, where everything is the way we believe it is. And most of our beliefs are not good because we've been abused, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This, we're moving into the 5D world, which is this whole mind thing that I've been talking about, where we're awake which means we don't really believe our beliefs anymore. We got these, this other knowing that we have. That's, I believe, the real interpretation of what that 3D to 5D thing is going on. We're all waking up. And when you wake up, it means you let go in your own little personal ego beliefs and you're becoming aware of and knowing of a much greater reality. And the greater reality is love and joy and peace and constructive endeavors and happiness and everything that we, you know, all that positive stuff. And as you wake up, and many individuals are in process of doing that, millions of them right now, your world changes. The world, the physical world around you doesn't really change per se but it's the way you see it and interpret it that is dramatically changed. And when you change that in yourself, so, okay, I see abundance, I see love and joy and everything. Well, that's where you're gonna be from now on. Might... Why do we, but we, we cling to the past and we have fear over change and we have fear. Um, I, the people like me, I, I live, I love being on the edge and living in, the, in a, place of stepping into my fears and stepping outside my comfort zone and it's where I thrive. So I'm kind of okay with it, but I still recognize, I mean, I have people in my life who say the last thing they want to do is step outside their comfort zone. I don't, it doesn't compute to me, but I recognize that wanting that longing to cling to what we thought we knew 
when what we thought we knew wasn't even real or true. And, it, and there's something scary about stepping over the edge into that new and unknown trusting place of being vulnerable again and free and in a place of love. That's right. It is terrifying because last time they did it, get they got smacked down. It's terrifying. In fact, the old metaphysical societies used to call that the terror of the threshold, meaning you step from this this room in your old life through the threshold into a new life, and it's terrifying to do that. Which is why these people who dig in their heels, they will be drugged by their spirit guides or higher selves or circumstances or whatever you want to call it to a place where they can no longer deny that they will, you know, you're going to have to do this. <laughs> and um, I've seen, I've seen people go through that threshold in many different ways, you know, kicking and screaming or total joy like you're doing. And uh, it depends on the individual, how much fear they got and how much, uh, living in the past see that's the ego living in the past is the only thing it can live in and um but we're breaking through with that and it's becoming a worldwide phenomenon and people are more and more people are starting to learn about it and they're learning about awakening not that woke crap you're hearing in the streets in portland i mean that's so that's exactly the opposite direction i mean that's taking you back into the negativity and the denial and the violence. I mean, look at it. It's all violent. All those people are all violent and everything. They're, they're condemning other people and attacking other people. Well, I it's, hate. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Absolutely. It's the wrong. It's the opposite way to be going. We're going the other way. We're not going to play that game anymore. They want to play the game. Fine. Go right ahead. But the rest of us, we're going to build a whole new universe out there. And we're going to have fun doing it. But there's a lot of, of the evil that owns what we're told, the media and the education system. And it's run by, I don't even know if they're human because they're so evil. And that that's what's got the, the it's got us the whole species by the throat. And I, a lot of us, I mean, I have those, these moments where I'm just like, how are we gonna break through? this, whatever you want to call it, those that, that control the population. And it's not even necessarily our governments. Our governments are puppets, I think, um, to more of a, um, an evil agenda. And I, people are waking up, but people are also fast asleep and believing the crap. And I just, I'm, I, I get, I try not to get down. I try to really be positive because I know I'm creating with my thoughts and the positive thoughts are, I have to, I have to maintain that. But every now and then I just, I wonder how we're going to do it. Well, all of us are doing it. It's not just you. And um, there's a huge movement out there and it's been going on for a very long time to, uh, uh, bring correction, put it that way, where we can be free to have this new world that we're building, this new universe we're building. And uh, the old one is a paradigm of control and based on fear and blackmail and all that negative crap. And that's gone bye-bye. It's not going to be here that much longer. 
because uh, negativity can't reproduce itself. It just dies. But love and positivity just constantly recreates and creates and, and it just goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, as long as we're keeping the, holding the fort, so to, get, so to speak, and uh, keeping those high energies and knowing who you are, none of that bothers you. Okay, I'm see, I'm sitting here, you know, I watch it every day because I'm watching, I know, I kind of got an idea what's going on in the background, not much, but some. And we're right at the threshold for humanity as a whole to step across into a new world. And there's those who live in the old paradigm, they don't, they don't want to give that up. They want to keep that because they had all this power and wonderful life and palaces and and you know total totally off the backs of everybody else but people waking up and they says no i'm not gonna do that anymore i don't want to do that anymore i want to go to the beach i want to have a good time I, you know i want to i want to feel this love thing i want to know more about what that's about and the whole world is moving that direction so they're just simply walking away from the old game so who are the bad guys going to run and 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 uh, control if everybody's just walking away? <laughs> so they use all these fear tactics like this COVID-19 bullshit to make people afraid so they don't walk away. But love abates all fear. And when you start learning what love is, fear just disappears. It's not there anymore. There may be concern, you know, you don't want to walk around nasty neighborhood and stuff so you know you're not afraid but you're you know you don't be stupid anymore either yeah. what are some things that we can do what if, if someone's listening to this and they want to move in that direction of of, of a more loving environment a, a more loving world that we can create because we've we're creating it all um where there's far less suffering what can people do? Well, some things you gotta, they're gonna sound like tough love or something, but uh, you're not responsible for the world. Um, we're only responsible for our lives. It sounds a little selfish, but it's, it's true. You're only responsible for your own life. And if you got kids or something, well, that's your part of your life. So you take care of that. But um, it's, if you fix your corner of the world, your little tiny corner, or you're sitting on your couch right there, you fix that, and that part of the world's fixed. So if everybody fixed their corner, it'll all be fixed. And by their corner, you mean themselves. Themselves, right. Themselves. The corner, you know, the world you find yourself in. Fix yourself. Work on yourself. Okay, I can't really relate to another human being until I can relate to me with love. Because if, if I got anger and angst and everything else inside of me and I try to associate with somebody, that's what they're going to get. It's like a dinosaur sitting there, you know, radiating love. And that's all it's doing. It's not jumping up and down and anything. It's just radiating love. So when you, deep meditation helps too. When you, in fact, that's one of the real tools. So when you, when you start letting go of the intellectual fears, because that's all it is, the intellect can only deal with fear. It only has fear. And as that abates away through the deep meditation, 
and your and your uh, constant use of positive thinking and positive associations with people let go of all the negatives just turn your back and walk away don't get in a fight with them that your life starts taking on this thing called peace just be peace that's the best uh, suggestion I've ever had was just simply be peace. You don't have to do anything. You can't, in fact, you can't do anything to be peace. You just allow yourself to be peace. And out of that comes all this love energy and everything else. Why? Because that's what you really are. And you've gotten rid of all the discord that you've been broadcasting all over the place. So those start dissipating and everything. And you know, what do you got left? Love and peace. I mean, it's when you when you go through all this stuff and you think about it and you dig it down right down in nitty gritty, it gets so incredibly simple that nobody believes it. And I've, uh, you know, they think they got to take a pill or they got to do this long arduous journey or they got to read ten thousand books or they got to go to forty five hundred workshops and uh, no, all you got to do is be peace. And that means taking control of your thought processes so that they don't run you around the circle all the time, which is what they're doing right now. They say, no, I'm not going to think that anymore. That served me well when I was growing up. I don't need that anymore. And I don't need that thing over there either. <laughs> and you, you just start sorting this stuff out and you chuck it all away and because it's, it's not doing you any good. So get rid of it. And you say, well, what is this love thing? And you start, you know, when I was trying to understand what I was seeing with the dinosaur, when the gal said it was about love, I went to all the bookstores in Tulsa and I bought every book I could find, every videotape I could find that had the word love in the title. I mean, respectful stuff, not the crap stuff. And because I want to know what love was. They were all talking about it, but I didn't have a clue. <laughs> and. Uh, it's worth it. It's absolutely freaking worth it. <laughs> okay. So you and I are lovers. We love, that's been something. I mean, I, I'm, I love everybody. I love this place. Uh, what are your thoughts on the second amendment? Everybody has a right to defend themselves. If you're, if you're under attack, you get a right to defend yourself any way you can. And guns just happen to be quite efficient at that. So it's, it's not about going out and killing people. It's about defending yourself, your family, your home, your property. And um, I mean, it's, it's a natural thing to defend yourself. You don't stand there and let some bully come up and just beat you up. I mean, you do the best you can to defend yourself. And that's just natural. That's just the way human beings are. You don't stand around waiting for somebody to beat you up or steal your stuff or Take your kids. And the Second Amendment was, was so we could defend ourselves. And, and the way they set the country up was this was the people's country, not the government's country. And so the people needed to defend their country, themselves, their family, and their country. That's why they made the Second Amendment. And that's why it's a good thing. And anybody takes it away from them is absolutely the stupidest people on the face of the earth. Well, go out there and stand and let the BLM people beat up on you. You know, just walk out there in the street and let them beat up on you. 
I mean, what kind of insanity is that? So the ego gets you into these insane mindsets, because that's what it is. It's, it's a belief in, in false beliefs. Well, in that definition of insanity. So as we set aside our ego and all of these crazy beliefs that we developed over, over our lifetime, maybe more than one lifetime, I could tell you a lot of stories. But um, then what resurrects is what's always been there, but it's been hidden from you because you've been fighting the world, been mad at yourself and your family and governments and all the other horse crap that we get tangled up with, you know, like a tar baby. You know the tar baby story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they're all tar babies. All the stuff that we're tangled up with and fighting with, they're just fictitious tar babies. We'll let them go. You don't need to be doing that. You want love and peace, right? Okay, be that love and peace. And everything else, he said, no, that's not part of love and peace, so that's out of here. And uh, it takes time for some people, most people, it takes time to let go of those because that's our reality. You know, those beliefs are, are our contrived self-made realities. And so we don't really want to give it up. You know, we want to hang on to it. Well, that was good. You know, I, that's what I live in. That's my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to give that up. But uh, we're all going to be giving all of it up eventually. So you might as well get with it. <laughs> and so speaking of that, giving it all up eventually, yeah. uh, what do you think happens when we die? Not much. <laughs> we just change consciousness. See, we're here in this, our ego, our, our higher self, our whole self, our whole mind doesn't know life and death. It doesn't, you know, it just is. Our ego deals with all this physical crap. So when you die, the ego goes. It's, it's like a two-edged sword. You know, you live your beliefs. So if you believe in all this crap, that's what you're living in. I mean, I, I mean, look here in my office. You know, there's all the stuff I work with every day. And that's, that's my reality. And when you die, it's just a shift of consciousness. It's just a change in consciousness. Of course, you give up the body because, you know, whatever. You don't need it anymore. You don't want it anymore. Because all of a sudden, there's this other awareness that is not embedded in the physical. It doesn't care about the physical. It moves into this higher self, this higher awareness, uh, love consciousness. And... Um, you know, we come down here because we want to. We want the experience. We want to go through all the troubles that we have and the difficulties we have because we want to grow our awareness and our intelligence and our integrity and our responsibility and, and all those good things. And um, Or we come down here to pay a karmic debt. You know, maybe you killed somebody in a prior lifetime and and, uh, you know, you got to go through the same thing or something somewhere. And, but um, it's all mind. The whole universe is nothing but mind. And in that 1994 presentation I did, which is on YouTube, um, I show how the physical is connected to the really higher realms. And it's just vibratory. It's just vibration. And you say, well, what's a vibration? <laughs> well, it's energy and motion and you know, it's motion and organized motion. 
orderly motion. And um, but there's there's an entire existence outside of what we call the physical. For instance, the shaman guy I mentioned. <clears throat> I had to have I had to lift a granite table when he was visiting, uh, and I, he was the only guy there, so I asked him if he'd help, and it weighed over 200 pounds. And I said, uh, you know, we gotta be careful because this thing's pretty darn heavy, you know? He says, oh yeah, is that right? Well, he got one end, I got the other end. <laughs> it didn't weigh anything, it weighed nothing. And we lifted it up and put it in his van that I was putting it into, um, it's like it was, I was just a gash you know what the heck is going on <laughs> well he knew how to do all that stuff see and and um it's like fire walking same experience just like bending a spoon you know walking around this bed of coals that's so hot you can't get within six feet of it i mean you've seen bonfires hot like that right you close mm -hmm. it all hot and everything and you back up well you're going to walk on this thing barefoot and these people were walking around this thing and we were walking around it and wondering if we were really stupid enough to do this. And, and uh, I finally got this, you know, these little girls walking across this thing, smiling and dancing across that corner. <laughs> and I, rather naively, I said, well, she can do it, I can. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I did. Stepped out on that thing, I thought I was crazy. And I, but you know what, there was no heat. It was like stepping on popcorn, real soft and mushy, crunchy. And there was no heat. There was no sensation of heat any way, shape, or form. Not on my feet, not on my clothes, not on my face. And um, so what's real? See, bend the spoon. Is it hard and rigid or is it soft and pliable? Is that better coals? hot enough to roast the steer or is it cool? You know, no temperature. Or is that tabletop? Was I crazy? It weighs 200 pounds. Are you nuts? This thing don't weigh anything. What's reality? Our reality is our beliefs. So that being the case, and you know it's true, and everybody reading, hearing this thing knows it's true, is then all we really got to do is work on our beliefs. Because that there then for therefore changes the entire reality. So you don't have to go outside and reconstruct stuff to build, rebuild everything. No, you just you just change what's going on in here or in your heart, whichever. And all of a sudden your world's different. And depending how thoroughly you change your thoughts, um, your beliefs, your world changes. And do you think the easiest way to change your beliefs and your thoughts is through affirmations? No, affirmations, um, they're from the ego. And the ego doesn't communicate all the time very efficiently with the real belief system that you want to change. There's deep beliefs and there's a superficial belief. The ego is all superficial beliefs. Well, you want to change the deep beliefs. And the ego can't really communicate with that deep belief system, not readily and, and with great difficulty. You know, if you're attempting to do that, you, it's not really going to work that well for you. So, for instance, the old physical, uh, metaphysical communities had these rituals 
you go through these little rituals. And the sole purpose of the ritual was to get around the ego and to get to that belief system. Because the ego will stop something that it's afraid of or doesn't believe in or doesn't want to go there. So you got to go around that, which is why they do the chanting and yaum and all that kind of stuff. It gives your intellect, keeps your intellect busy while this other thing comes in and, and becomes a replacement belief. Okay, like if you wanted to believe that the world is a safe place, or that's a good one, for example. So there's people mm -hmm. out there who really don't. Or if you wanted to believe that you, you're safe or you're healthy or um, that, that you're loved, there's all these deep beliefs that we need to have. We need to think that this world is a safe place and that we're loved and that we're healthy and that we're abundant. Mm -hmm. That's about, that covers it. Um, or, you know, you could, that, that some people are like, oh, I can't sing. I was like, well, if you say you can't sing, then you're, you, you can't, there's nothing you can do. So if you wanted to change one of these deep beliefs, and so you're mentioning metaphysical communities and, and chanting, um, what would one do? Um, depending how far along you are, let's, let's assume you're not along at all, but you just heard about this possibility of changing your life by changing your beliefs. Well, where do you get started? Um, there's a million YouTube videos, maybe, you know, maybe a million. There's tens of thousands of books, and I got something to recommend. You got to make the decision that you want to change. And this is a resolute decision. It's not just, oh, I want to change. No, this becomes your mission in life type of decision. You're going to do this come hell or high water and, and nothing's going to stop you and, and you go to the end of the earth to accomplish this. And when you have that kind of mental attitude, then you will succeed. But if you're just wishy-washy or you're inundated with the television blaring away all day long or, or you know, whatever noise in your world interferes with that, you have to get quiet and you have to uh seek it out seek these things and well, the answer the 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 books and the workshops and all that stuff are like reminders or like flagposts or like the stuff coming from the outside but the real awakening comes from inside and so those are like all reminders and everything well look at this and look at that and look at this other thing and all you're doing is waking yourself up you're not going to memorize all these books and you're not going to memorize all these workshops it's, they're like little triggers that trigger these awake, little mini awakenings, I call them. Get one here and one there and, oh, wow, look at that. Or I didn't know that, you know, and, this, and it just starts to grow and grow and it becomes an excitement like you have. They have all this excitement about new discoveries. Like a kid, you know, little tiny kids out there in the yard, you know, and he comes running in the house and says, mom, mom, look at this leaf or look at this rock or look at this frog, you know, Everything is new to them. They don't have any preconceived notions about it. So it's all exciting. It's all new. It's all wonderful. And that's what we got to do. Everything in life's got to become new and wonderful and exciting again. Now we go through life and we get beat up here and beat up over there and crapped on over there. And, and we develop all these attitudes, you know, and we got all this stuff hanging on us, the negative stuff. And there's no more fun. 
So he said, well, you know, I'm all just check out. I've been through this, been there, done that a dozen times, and then, you know, I'm done. Well, your life is gone because the only thing that builds the life is this excitement that these kids have. Oh, look at this new thing, that next thing. You know, I call it an adventurous life. Your life has to become an adventure, one after the other. And if you're going to be doing something and it doesn't look like an adventure, well, look at it as though it is an adventure. Oh, what's going to happen when we get this done? Or what's going to happen as we go through all this? Whoops. We go through all this and do these things. And uh, you are in control. So take control. I want an adventurous life. I want to know what's new and exciting. I've never been to Timbuktu. I mean, that's a good example. Um, wouldn't that be a great adventure? I mean, middle of Africa, you know, <laughs> supposed to be the end of the world type of deal. <laughs> or whatever anything i've never been to hawaii i've never been you know and uh, look at them as though they're exciting adventures you know i was out building a fence here last summer and and man i didn't want to do that because i just you know digging post holes it used to be all parking lots it's really really hard digging <clears throat> and i said no <laughs> you got to have the fence and, and, and you're going to build it yourself so it's an adventure you know, I looked at it like an adventure. So I got it all done, built all by myself, except for four holes. I had one guy help on four holes and uh, 20 some holes all together. And um, got it all done. And so something that was really ugly and hard and difficult, and man, I don't want to do that. Jeez, grimy. And um, no, hey, this is an adventure. <laughs> you see how it changes? So you're saying, you know, a person looking at themselves and saying, well, you know, I got all this crap and everything, you know, and they get all depressed and despairing and they don't know what to do with it. Well, what would it be like if I did that? Or what it would it be? Turn it around to a positive thing. And, and if you, the first one might be really, really difficult to do. But as you do them, they become easier and more exciting and, 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 and it just becomes, oh, great. Yeah, let's, let's go do all this stuff. And uh, there's a couple of books I could recommend is uh, Bob Proctor's book, You Were Born Rich. And it sounds like it's a goofy title. I mean, you know, but um, it has a main focus of, of finance, finances but not exclusively, as I was reading his book, you know, and I was half interested in reading his book, you know, and I, as I got about halfway through it, I realized, you know, this guy Proctor really knows what he's talking about because he's talking about vibration. Well, I know about vibration. And as I was reading, I said, Bob's got this nail. And um, talk to you later, Dougie. And, um, so that became an interesting adventure. Okay, let's see. And I'll make a confession here. Up to last spring, about this time, last year, I was not living good financially. Every month, every payment was difficult. And I realized uh, one day I was in the shower, uh, shaving, staring at this guy in the mirror. <laughs> And I said, you know what, Pon, you got a poverty consciousness. Which was an admission, a confession, whatever you want to call it. 
And my next thought was, okay, what are you going to do about it? Because I know about changing your thinking and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to find out how to build a prosperity consciousness. And that's when I read Bob's book. And I reread it. And I think I've read it eight times through in the past year. And just a little bit every day while I'm having my coffee in the morning, not pushing it. And uh, everything changed. I mean, within a month, finances turned right around. And I, I'm not floating in money, but I've been able to pay my bills. And I built a fence. You know, it was a several thousand dollar investment. Where did that come from? And uh, and there's some other things that are uh, that I'm not going to talk about. But doing nothing more than reading that book, not not tearing it apart or digging into it or sweating over it or just calmly as I'm having my cup of coffee, read a short piece of it and set it aside. What shifted in your consciousness? I no longer see the poverty side. I no longer see the difficult side. I never, I don't see that anymore. I see ease and peace and I got the money I need and it's, I'm, I'm so relaxed. That stress I used to have all the time, that's all gone. Um, I've been able to help some people out with their finances. Um, all it was, I was seeing See, I was seeing the things around me and taking that for reality. Bills, bills that are difficult to pay, you know, need to get this, need to get that. And that's what I was focused on. The problem. <laughs> uh, it's no. not a problem. It's not a problem when it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, we create what we think about. We when you the more you where yeah, your attention. Right. Yeah, you create. I, I was creating my own difficulties because that's what I was seeing. That's what I believed was real. And when I realized none of that's real, okay, what is real? So I did. A, I did a what? What do you call it? An affirmation. I created an affirmation. Um, I am wealthy, very, very wealthy. And words to that effect. And when I was walking a dog every morning in those days, before I built the fence, which is why I built the fence, I was walking the dogs six or eight times a day. And I'd be doing this affirmation and I would say it not just, I am wealthy, super, super wealthy. I'd say, I am wealthy. Yeah, resolute to make it real. If you're just wishy-washy, keep walking that dog because that's all you're gonna be doing. <laughs> They got to make it real and, and you convince yourself that it's real. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was at the metaphysical center, uh, pretty near every morning, this uh, lady and I would walk. Uh, there was some parks right next, right nearby. And we walked through all these parks and everything. And this is what we would talk about. How do you change your thinking? And uh, I said, you know, I think you got to just convince yourself whatever it is you you know you want to convince yourself of so i started saying it and a big topic in those days was awakening we wanted to awake you know and get away from all this petty crap that we live in i said no i want to wake up see the light and all that good stuff <laughs> so i started saying i'm awake i'm awake with great conviction 
And about the sixth or eighth time I said that, bam, just like that, man, I was in Nirvana or heaven or whatever you want to call it. And uh, so it proved to me that in that instance, that you can convince yourself of a new reality if you want to. Yes. You got to want to, you got to have that desire. You know, Walter Russell talks about desire is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. And um, it is. I mean, well, if, you, if you don't want something, I mean, you know, just sit there and let the bad guys beat up on you because you disarmed yourself because that's bad. You can't defend yourself. You know, wake up. We got to all wake up. Stop being stupid. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say I'm awake. Um, I'd like to share the, the, it wasn't a book I read. It was actually a CD series that I listened to. Are you familiar with Brian Tracy? Absolutely. Yeah. Brian Tracy's psychology of achievement was like that for me. I listened to it uh, probably half a dozen times over years and the uh, changing, like, like for instance, uh, the abundance, I am so abundant in so many ways, even when it wasn't financially, I'm abundant in friends or I'm abundant in music or I'm abundant in just uh, helpful people in my life or abundant. And if I focused on that abundance and just, I am so abundant. Um, the day I realized I'd never go hungry was a big step in my financial abundance too, because I realized, you know what, there's no way if I wanted a sandwich, if I was hungry, if I walked up to somebody and said, could I sing a song for you for a sandwich? I get the feeling they would feed me. And so I, I, I had that moment where I took a deep breath and went, I will never be hungry. I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm abundant. And as soon as I started that, then the abundance just started like falling in everywhere because I believed it. I had it, my, my shift in my belief. So and you made the shift. And it's like I, it's like I did. I mean, it's a total life changing shift, by the way, not just money. No, you can do it with it, health. It changes yeah. everything. Yeah, it changes everything. So this I am awake. Uh, I thought I was awake. So it won't, it won't feel like a lie when I'm saying I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Uh, I'm going to try that one. Um, let's see. You said you had a couple other books. I would love to know what other books you would recommend. Well, the other book is uh, Dialogue on Awakening by Tom and Linda Carpenter. Dialogue on Awakening. Okay, I will put all of this in the show notes, uh, the, the books that we've recommended for sure. And um, Dialogue and Awakening will tell you more about how life works than uh, pretty much anybody, except the next book. <laughs> um, Christ Returns and Reveals His Truth, something like that. And it's written anonymously by this lady who spent 40 years learning to be awake to the extent that she could communicate clearly with uh, Christ, Christ consciousness. And it's 
I mean, when I first read that book, I said, my God, this is the book we've all been waiting for. And uh, a couple years ago, as of a couple years ago, you, you couldn't find a copy, you couldn't buy the thing. And, um, but we did, somebody did a uh, scan of it. So there's PDFs available. You just search around for Christ Returns and get the PDF. And um, that book's written in nine chapters or nine books. And um, if you had, let me put it to you this way. If you had a chance to talk to Christ, what would you ask him? Well, that's what Tom did in, in his uh, Dialogue and Awakening book. And this lady, she wasn't really asking questions of, well, maybe, but so he dictated this whole book through her. And, you know, I'm not a novice in these things. And when I read that book, I like I said, this is the book we've all been waiting for. And um, it's about life and everything. Now, if you want to know about science and all that kind of stuff, we'll go to SVP Wiki. There's nothing like it anywhere. It's, there's 10,000 entries. I think if we printed it out, it'd be 20, 30,000 pages. And, uh, you know, I spent my life combing the literature, the old literature, the intermediate literature, everything I get my hands on. It had anything to do with vibration and what this connecting link is between mind and the physical and who did what, where, when. And I put it into there. And uh, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but you're not going to find a better source for this kind of information. Yeah, no, it's your life's work. And that's amazing because I think that a lot of people are very interested in it. And the fact that you've put all that in one place is wonderful. And I mean, I didn't find you by accident. I think that being able to interview you and get your thoughts out to the world is is absolute delight so well, there, are, there are no accidents <laughs> there are no accidents there's no coincidences it's all i'm not gonna say it's all rigged or run by fate or anything like that no it's uh, our minds are powerful and they create our lives that we're living right now <clears throat> you know i mean how did you get the place you're living in and you got all the stuff around you, the furniture and everything? I mean, you did it. You did that. And I look at this place I'm all in and everything and I think, oh my God, I did all this. <laughs> so um, we're getting ready to do a lot of changes around here, by the way. Well, the next time I interview you is going to be there. And do you say La Junta? La Junta? What, how do you say it? La Junta. La Junta, Colorado. And I want to come experience your dinosphere and see where you live and, and your science institute and feel it. I want to be there. So. Okay, you're welcome to come. <clears throat> yeah, you're welcome to come. Just let me know when you're coming so I can accommodate, you know, I'll make sure I'm here and everything. Oh, I'll let you know. I'm not going to just show up. Um, now, you also make colloidal silver, that's a healing um liquid that i know about it i got a hold of some from the friend who introduced us and uh it healed my infected toe i 
How long have you been making colloidal silver? Well, I think from 96. And um, it's not a true, you know, it, it, we made this stuff and in order to put it on the market, you know, you got to be able to label what it is and everything. And the nearest thing I could come up with that people would recognize is colloidal silver. But it's not a true 100%, you know, certified colloidal silver. It is, it is, it is a colloid and it does have silver in it, but it's got a lot more than that. You know, we're building this dinosaur based on love and everything. <laughs> Well, can we put love in a bottle? That's what we did. And I can't advertise that because I can't prove what love is to the satisfaction of the eggheads in the legal profession. But that's what we did. We put love in this thing. Well, on the so, label, it says all kinds of stuff like love. Says, and yeah, yeah. I don't have that looking at it right now, but it's a beautiful label, just like when just like with the hidden messages in water, which is pretty much what it is, you've infused this water with all the healing properties you could possibly come up with, I suppose. I didn't know that until just now. I'm really excited. I've been drinking it too, so. Oh, good. The only, the only thing that heals is self-love. Nothing else heals. Now, all these chemicals and everything that we've all been using, are, you know, they ameliorate symptoms so that your body can get comfortable, so they can get back to peace. And when it's back at peace, it's healthy. When you shut down that intellect you're beating yourself up with and everything, you got some nasty belief in there, you're not maybe not even aware of it, that's starting to eat on you and everything. And you, it's all mine. If you simply be peace, everything changes. I can't say it any simpler than that. Most people won't go along with that. You know, I don't give a damn. You know, I found out what I found out and I'm trying to share it with people. We got a dinosaur that does it. It's simply peace. It's just peace, love. I mean, with synonyms, right? So when you bring that into your own life, So I can't say that. See, I can't put that on the label. The FDA would come down here and throw my ass in jail for seven years. Like okay. they did that, like they did that guy in Oklahoma. So I don't know really know how to market this. I don't know how to sell it. You know, it just um, it does have silver in a in a solution, so it is a colloidal silver. So um, you know, we can sell it as a colloidal silver. We can't say that it heals you because that's a claim, and unless you have uh, years of, of laboratory studies and tests, you know, you can't claim that. Can't make a claim. That's what happened to a guy in Oklahoma. He was selling us black salve. You ever hear of that? No. Uh -uh. Oh, black salve. It's uh, it's black. Looks like shoe polish almost. And um, put that on a skin cancer. It's gone. I mean, this stuff is really strong stuff. It will eat your skin. So you put it on there on the on the affected part. And you you careful and you watch it, you know, and then that'll start going away and go away. And when it's when it's gone, then you you're done. Some people have left it on without paying attention, and it ate a little bit into their skin. So it it works. I've tried it. It works. And uh, 
this guy, he was an Amish. I think they were Amish making this stuff. And uh, he, uh, he had on his label. Well, they wanted to shut him down. You know, they went to him and he changed his label and he updated his stuff and he, he did everything that they asked him to do. And they still threw him in prison for seven years because he had these unsubstantiated claims on his label that this cures cancer. Well, it does cure cancer, but he, has, he didn't have a laboratory proof to prove it. So uh, the FDA is, doesn't care about your health or well-being. They only care about people who make claims, what's written on a label. I mean, you could have anything in that bottle at all. <laughs> when you think about it, we got this crazy, insane government out there. But um, so I'm trying not to make any claims with it. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of testimonials like yours right there and and even more so and and um, because the nature of the way our system is, I really don't know how to market this, but you can order it off my website. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> um, you said self-love is is the thing that heals, and um, I I taught my young son to say this when I say I love you. He says I love me too, mommy. <laughs> so instead of saying I love you too, he says I love me too. So I think we all that's that's a we all need a good he hefty dose of that, and. Uh, like you said, looking after our own corner. And Dale, this has been phenomenal. I can't wait to talk to you again. And is there anything else you can think of that you'd like to leave people with if they've listened this far? Um, it's all gonna be good. I mean, there are millions and millions of people waking up. There's tens of thousands of videos being made just like this one. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who know what I know and know a lot more than I know, and they're all sharing us. Um, the greatest boon to humanity has been the internet where we can do this. You know, you're in Texas, I'm in Colorado, and we're doing this. And it's going to be shown on the web where anybody in the world can see it. So this is a time that we're all waking up. The real knowledge of the universe is made available to us by people like me, Bob Proctor, uh, the guy you mentioned, I can never remember him, Brian, Brian. Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy. <clears throat> and those guys are like avatars. They've come down here and they've got this wisdom that won't quit, that big tall guy that does these workshops and everything. And um, the knowledge that we've all been looking for is now pretty much available through the web one way or another. And it's just going to get better. It's going to get better and better and better. You know, when I started at Wiki, I only had one page. Now we got over 10,000 entries. And it just gets better and better. And and as these videos and these, you know, you these independent people such as yourself, you cannot believe how important you are. That you're, you're finding the stuff that's interesting to you and, and you're recording it and making a presentation and sharing it with the universe. And uh, there are tens of thousands of people like yourself doing this. And it's never happened in the world. I mean, if you want to read something, you had to go to the library, read a book. Maybe if it was there. <laughs> and then it was hard to disseminate the information. Yeah, you well, couldn't. If, how do you disseminate? Was, you know. <laughs> right. There were only a few people with avenues to share information. 
Right. You know, anyone can do it. You're absolutely right. So this information that has been hidden from us, people, I think people have known it. People have been <laughs> controlling the world, have been able to um, manifest what they want in the world. But now this idea that I think the main knowledge that we've come across is that our thoughts are creating our reality. Would you agree that that's the main thing that we that we know now that we didn't know? Yeah, um, they were teaching us in the mystery schools for centuries. It didn't really start to come out in public until the mid late 1800s. And then it started coming out big time. And uh, Brian Tracy and Bob Proctor, you know, they're they're from a long line of teachers that have brought this forward. And um, that we are who we are and we are in control of our lives. I mean, we get to say how our life goes. And um, that's called personal responsibility, it's called integrity, et cetera, et cetera. Not everybody's gonna get there, but the people who wanna get there and get there. And it's easy today because people like you and those guys, all this information is available, we just gotta want it. Well, I had a guy here once that uh, total mess. Guy, boy, this guy was a mess. And um, I thought he was crazy. I mean, like insane crazy, like dangerous crazy, because he was a lot bigger person than I was. And uh, the next day, of, you know, I gave him a room to sleep in, and the next day I got up and said, well, he's not crazy. He's in the process of waking up. He just doesn't know it. And we had a nice breakfast chat about that. And his whole life turned around because he saw himself as a victim. He was helpless. He was hopeless. He didn't know what to do. He'd gone crazy. And uh, no way, you're waking up. What you got to do is do this and that and the other thing. And it just transformed his life. And that's what vast portions of humanity need to hear that, that, that they're, they're, uh, they're in the process of waking up and all you got to do is do this, that, and the other thing, little simple things. And um, so it's available. It's just, they don't know it and they don't know that they need to ask for it because nobody can shove it at you or tell you or anything. You got to want it and ask for it. That's it. You got to want it and you got to ask for it. Well, Thank you so much for this time today, Dale. I'm, um, I really look forward to re-watching this and getting it out there. And if people have questions, they're welcome to leave comments and I can get them to you. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again in the future because I'm just fascinated by your work and you. And so I can't thank you enough for being here, Dale. Well, thank, <clears throat> thank you so much for listening to me and giving me an opportunity. I look forward to the next, next time. <laughs> I'm going to um, just tell everybody that if you want to follow Freedom Junkie Radio, please do so. For the time being, we're on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, but we're also on Telegram. Telegram's very much free speech. I highly recommend getting on there and uh, BitChute and Rumble for when, uh, when they don't like me anymore on those more mainstream ones. But I am gonna seek the truth and do it fearlessly and have people on who wanna speak fearlessly and truthfully. 
So uh, again, I thank you for being here and until we meet again. Sometime I wanna ask you as a scientist, I could ask you this now and I could tag it on because um, I'm still recording. I am still recording. Yes. Um, if the, I wanna ask a scientist this. So I'm just gonna ask you right now. I need a couple more minutes of your time. If the universe goes on forever, which is what I believe, and I don't think that human minds can wrap them, themselves around this concept of infinity and forever, how is it that the universe is expanding if it already goes on forever? Or should we, do we just not know that? We just can't know. Um, I would say cautiously that this expanding universe idea is a theory. They don't know that for sure, 100% for sure. I mean, based on uh, redshift and all that kind of stuff, you know, I said, okay, based on our science and our physics, uh, we deduce that the universe is expanding. But they haven't measured anything with them. You know, they don't know absolutely 100% for sure. The, um, you know, we start getting cosmo cosmo cosmological questions like that. And there's, a lot of questions and we don't have answers for you know if it's expanding what's it expanding into well see that's what it seems it seems a little arrogant for us to think that we can say the universe is expanding well you think science is not arrogant <laughs> that's their greatest failing by the way their number one failing is they are arrogant in their beliefs and they shoot down anything new that comes along you know and it's just it's just terrible but um those kinds of questions you know you say well you go back to mind you know the whole mind the whole mind doesn't deal in time and space the intellect does so is there a universe for the whole mind you know i mean how big is the universe if there's no time and space um in pure mind the universal mind construct and these kind of questions i think about a lot and, and um i one time asked keely well how big is this neutral center inside the dinosaur and he said uh, how big is mind or how big is consciousness well, it was a good question huh? <laughs> you just said you asked keely yeah it's clear like no, I had, uh, I asked through a, a world-class psychic I had on a team when we built this. And I would call her and she would talk to John, Keely. And I said, well, ask John, you know, X, Y, and Z. That's how we built a dinosaur, which is a whole nother interview if you want to do it. Okay. I, I, I asked Stevie Ray Vaughan how to play guitar like him one time. And he told me to practice my blues scales. <laughs> so. so it was... Uh, Uh, you know, we're moving from the known or what we thought we know, the 3D world, the physical, mechanical world into this 5D world of consciousness, unlimited consciousness. And it's, it's not new to our inner selves, our real selves, but it's new to our intellects. 
and our intellects are just wrestling and wrestling with these ideas and concepts and i mean facebook and i mean there's thousands of people wrestling with these similar questions and um when you're out there stepping on that bed of coals you're in an altered state even though you didn't do anything to get into an altered state not consciously you weren't intellectually okay i'm gonna get in this state no you just it just became a new state of mind and when you're a state of consciousness and when you step out on those hot coals and you um so there they're all questions you know i it's a good question are they are they hot or are they cold you know our, our physical self says well they're hot because you burn your skin off if you've touched it and and your consciousness self says no <laughs> heats of the physical we're not in the physical right now so forget that <laughs> and uh so it's all wonderful, you know, exploring this thing and wondering about this thing and where can we go with this? And, you know, we're going to get this bridge built that Keeley invented, discovered between the physical and the spiritual. And um, we already got part of it built. We just don't understand enough of it to really have it nailed. I mean, you got a machine you can feel. I mean, where's that coming from? <laughs> <clears throat> So yeah, it's 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 really exciting, and um, you're gonna see a lot more of it here in the future.